Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Vessalatu vesselamu ala Resulillah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men vela. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream where we are today on Tuesday. And you know what that means? That means we're sitting with Imam al-Baghawi. You know that when you read someone's book, it's as if you're sitting with them. Okay. Um... <clears throat> When you read someone's book, it's like a sohba with them. And today we're sitting with Imam al-Baghawi, and we're two days away from month of Ramadan. Okay. And some people are... Uh, uh, asking for like a fiqh we'll, we'll do some fiqh, no problem We will do some fiqh, no problem with that I'm just answering a student of mine An old student told me they're In the Moorhead Kane program At UNC, I said um, You know, you're going to make me go into safari And look that up, or you're going to tell me what that means Right uh, So um, Apparently it's a science program I'm like, Phew. Alhamdulillah, it's a science program. I thought, do you tell me some, it's a liberal arts program, I was going to say. What was all the all those years studying with me? What was the point? I must have been doing something wrong, but alhamdulillah, no. It's a, it's a neuroscience program, actually. It's a science program, but sure, their specialist is neuroscience. So, wa alaykum salam to everyone giving us their salams, and everyone who is here ready, and everyone who is... Ready to listen to Sayyidina Imam al-Baghawi give us the tafsir. A'udhu billahi minash shaytan rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu. Oh, mistake. Med by four for every vowel preceding a hamza. You need to know this. Every vowel that precedes a hamza, you hold it for four counts. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu. آمنوا إن من أزواجكم وأولادكم عدوا لكم فاحذروهم. Part of your children and your spouses, أزواجكم وأولادكم منهم عدو. What does عدو here mean? عدو is not always somebody that is purposely against you. You got to understand that it's not always purposely against you. Okay. Just could be something that has more harm for you than good. All right. That's what عدو. Could possibly mean And of course The spouse And the children They do tug at your heart In such a way Anything that you love Can possibly be against you In the sense that Not that they're trying To be against you But they're against you In that They um, They may distract you They may lure you Into trying to earn So much wealth Because you love them so much That you may Do something forbidden With your wealth You may forget about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Because Um you love to be around your family, and we're not against that. We're not against the love of the family part. We're not, uh, we don't go the Buddhist route, for example, where they're really against all attachments. No. We go with the fitra of how Allah created us. You go throughout all human history, people love their family. Man loves woman. Woman loves man. Husband cares for wife and is passionate about wife. Wife adores her husband and loves her husband. All of what we see, anything that's against that is a, a deviation from the fitrah. Something's terribly wrong. 
in any society, any community, any situation uh, where that deviates from that, right? Allah says we, that we made your homes a place of sakina for you, okay? And Allah places this mawadda and mercy for you. What is mawadda? Mawadda means, it's, uh, mawadda is your love for one another when things are good. Rahma is when one of you is ailing. Okay. One of you is ailing, you have mercy for them. All right. So mawadda is when, when things are... are there's a, there are many different tafsirs on mawadda or rahma, but one of them is when things between the, the spouse spouses are good. But rahma is when one of them is ailing. Right. So you don't have a selfish relationship. It's not a selfish relationship. It's a reverse. You give more of yourself than you ask. So that's the nature of these relationships. And we see here how Iblis has gone to war with these things. And, and the society, don't always blame uh, the society. The people who are against this stuff and who are going that route, they're also the victims of Iblis. Don't forget that. And Iblis does not victimize, he does not do evil on the earth with nothing, the, with, 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 with good people. He does, with, with wholesome people, he does evil on the earth through people who have been victimized. Who are now, what in the world is that? This is mawadda theme or marriage theme or what? Did everyone hear that? <laughs> I think Habib hit a button or something that gave us some beautiful lovey stars. Uh, but uh, the uh, Iblis does not work evil solely through people who are just choose evil. No, these people, if you go back to every evildoer, you will see that that person, you can actually look into their life so much that you will find them victimized. I'm telling you. All these movements that come out, all right, all these movements, if you go back to the person who started this, this, this movement, which we would now consider terrible, and we consider it evil, they were victimized very badly, okay, extremely badly. So uh, Iblis victimizes and then grabs onto the reins of these people and tells them the solution to your victimization is here. Okay, the solution of your being a victim is this philosophy or that philosophy. And then that philosophy, that idea, that moral view is actually worse for society. So the Marxism didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of abuse of the rich over the poor. There's no doubt about that. All of what you're seeing today on uh, uh, about uh, in, in, the, in the field of destruction of family, probably you could trace it back. To abuses, but then again, at the same time, people usually find the evidence they want. You know, if you want to find an evidence, do you know, you know, it's a pretty interesting. This thing is uh, with the Malaysian air uh, aircraft that disappeared. It's interesting because all the evidence. There's so many different evidences, but at the end of the day, both their different sides come up with concoct theories using the same evidence but they want to see something differently, right? They want to see it differently, right? So one guy, one of them said, well, it's a Russian, it's possibly a Russian plot. Like the Russians took down this plane, right? Uh, they took it down. And they redirected the data of where the plane looks like it's going. And instead of directing it up towards them, they made the data look like the plane went south. All right, fine. You know what destroyed his theory? 
what you think it destroyed his theory, they found plane debris in islands in the south, right? So that should end his theory, right? He said, no, of course. If the plot is to make the plane look south, clearly they're the ones who would have planted the debris, right? So, <laughs> so unless that plane comes out and speaks, no one will ever know, right? So that's the idea here. When you, when you want to have a conclusion, you oftentimes can find the evidence. And that's why, and that's only where all the evidence is done. When, all, when evidence is qat'i, explicit, then no one can discuss it. Then interpret the reinterpretation of explicit evidence is not interpretation, it's deviation. It's an extremely important line to put. And this is why some people said, listen, if we have four medhabs and we believe the medhabs can differ, to- totally opposite directions, right? Like crab. One says haram, one says halal. That's totally opposite, right? So uh, they say, well, why can't the religions be different medhabs? Same thing. They say, no, because... Medheb's interpretation exists on equivocal, vanni, speculative evidence. Evidence that could be discussed. The language is not firmly one way. Okay? Uh, there is no interpretation on explicit, clear, qat'i evidence. There's no interpretation on it. Okay? So that's what, any interpretation on that is what we call a deviation. So... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, Ibn Abbas says, this revelation from Allah, O people who believe, from your spouses and from your children, are enemies to you, so be careful. What does this mean? Ibn Abbas says, this is revealed, of course, in general, for all people, but in specific, there are a group of converts in Mecca. They wanted to make the hijrah, but their spouses, didn't say which one, husbands, wives, and their children stopped them. Stopped them because they either told them not to go or they, um, they stopped them, meaning like through sympathy, they couldn't bring himself to disturb his wife and kids or husband and kids uh, and go off to make the hijrah. وَقَالُوا صَبَرْنَا عَلَىٰ إِسْلَامِكُمْ فَلَا نَصْبِرْ عَلَىٰ Okay, so now he gives some more evidence. He says that the family were not Muslim. So they said, the family said, we, we put up with you being Muslim, but we can't put up with now you make, making hijrah. Right? So when you got family, you really need to, um, um, what, what you cannot do is disobey Allah for the sake of your family. That's just the simple rule. Is That's how simple it is. That's where it's a fitna. It's not a fitna in... Uh, except if there is a clear de- prohibition that you will do just for their sake. وَتَرَكُوا الْهِجْرَةَ They left off al-hijra. تَرَكُوا فِعَلَ مَاضِي Past tense verb. Al-hijra maf'ul bihi. So it's mansub. We put a fatha on maf'ul bihi. تَرَكُوا الْهِجْرَةَ Okay. فَقَالَ تَعَالَى فَحْذَرُوهُمْ Do not obe- beware of obeying even your closest kith and kin and your most beloved in what is in matter of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِن تَعَفُوا وَتَصْفَحُوا وَتَغْفِرُوا فِنَّ اللَّهُ فُرُّ رَحِيمٌ هَذَا فِي مَنْ أَقَامَ عَلَى الْأَهْلِ وَالْوَلَدُ وَلَمْ يُهَاجِرْ فَإِذَا هَاجَرَ رَأَى الَّذِينَ سَبَقُوهُ بِالْهِجْرَةِ وَقَدْ فَقِهُوا فِي الدِّينِ 
هم أن يعاقب زوجته فقهه في الدين هم أن يعاقب زوجته وولده الذين ثبطوه عن الهجرة Ah, this happens all the time. You got a soft spot for somebody, someone's pulling at you, your friend circle, your parents, your family, and they weaken you. They stop you from doing something that you wanted to do that's good. Here he says, the next verse says, forgive and let go. Okay? Allah is forgiving. Why? Because these people finally did make the hijrah, and they come in, and all their friends, they're now advanced. They have knowledge. They've, they're advancing the deen now. So now, these people, they turn back on their family. They're angry with their family. And this happens. Every youth that starts to come into Islam, even adults, they start coming into the deen. They start advancing. But they're still weak. They get reeled back in by their stronger family. Right? Then, time passes... And they see that all their friends have advanced beyond them. Right? So what do they do? They turn on their family with anger. You're the reason that I'm not able to do it. And he goes around and talking to everyone. It's my mom. It's my wife. It's my husband. It's this. It's that. They're this. They're that. He hates them so much because he sees that they're truth of the matter. You will always have obstacles. You are the one who's weak. That's the truth. So forget blaming them and get busy strengthening yourself. Okay, they're doing what they're going to do. They're not going to change. You strengthen yourself. Don't be angry with them. And Allah says, uh, Overlook it. Forgive them. Let it go. Okay. So, He's now angry with his family. Who is now, they're the ones who stopped him. Right? Don't be upset with them. You were the one who was weak. Strengthen yourself with awrad. People really, this thing is is not going to come quick. Strengthen yourself slowly with awrad. I can tell you there are many people, they said, they swore from here on in, they're going to pray to Hajjid every single day. From here on in, they're going to fast every Monday and Thursday. From here on in, I don't care what I'm doing over my site, one juz. Don't do these extremes. Go to awrad. The system of awrad is anything that you could reasonably do with ease, but you'd never miss it. Without realizing it, you're going to be strong. Give it a year. You're a different person. And you don't even realize it. And what's the good about not realizing it? There's no kibr. Right? Whereas if you were to, let's say Habib was to go and get personalized perfect lessons and learn and do ibadah for a month and come back, or two, two months, let's say three months, four months, you totally transformed, right? You surpassed all of us. You come back and you look around at the guys that you used to chill with, they don't know anything, they don't know Arabic, they've never ha- done what you did. You can have kibr. That's why the slow and steady growth has its value too. Okay? And the the way that you do this is small but consistent bits every day. That's the system of awrad that the ulama have produced for us. Okay? 
بخير فأمرهم الله عز وجل بالعفو عنهم والصفح So now those people who held you back in the past they now have come to make hijrah as Muslims but they're the one who stopped you like imagine that imagine you didn't make the hijrah because your mother and your wife and your daughter they sort of sympathy ganged up on you and said stay 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 so but you were weak so you stayed and then what happened you miss Badr you miss Uhud right and now you go to Medina and your friends they're Badris they're, called, they're the people who attended Badr they were there they have stories to tell and you see they're changed they're transformed they're better than you now. they've worked on themselves they prayed with the Prophet ﷺ every single day five times a day for three years and you missed out on that you are going to be angry no doubt about that right Allah says don't blame them then your family finally comes okay now we're Muslim now after I missed Badr I missed Uhud yeah, no, just have sabr with them and Allah says it was Allah's qadr okay the weakness is weakness in realizing that the people out there were doing things that is the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the fact that they're attacking you not even attacking you they're coming at you when you are weak that's also qadr of Allah there's a wisdom in this there's a reason for this okay now it's your job to find the reason well one reason is you were weak okay so I strengthened myself but there's still going to be other reasons and other benefits behind this okay the benefit that Allah brings out the world does not only come out in good ways, in nice ways. It comes out sometimes in tough ways, bad ways. you got to look like a pearl diver for that benefit. وَقَالَ عَطَاءِ بْنِ يَسَارِ نَزَلَتْ فِي عَوْفِ بْنِ مَالِكِ الْأَسْجَعِي Specifically, this verse was revealed for Malik, for Awf ibn Malik. كَانَ ذَا أَهْلٍ وَوَلَدٍ وَكَانَ إِذَا أَرَادَ الْغَزْوَ بَكَوْ إِلَيْهِ he had a big family. He had a lot of kids. When he would want to go out for battle, they would cry to him and they would soften him. وقالوا, Who are you going to leave us? You, you, you go and you die. You go and you get your arm cut off. You go and you go blind in battle. What are we going to do? Okay. Okay. He would, he would get soft for them, he would sympathize for them, and he would stay. Now, why is this haram? Because if you don't go to battle, if everyone doesn't go to battle, then the enemy takes over the city, right? And then you lose everything. So you have to go to battle. Men have to go to battle. Men have to fight. Because if you don't, you lose everything. So you're not going to go to battle because maybe something bad will happen to me and we'll lose these two kids. Well, if the enemy takes over, you lose the kids and you, right? And everybody, right? We all lose. That's why going to battle, fighting, is fart in many circumstances. Like if you generally have a country, you have to have an army. And that army has to be pushing out. Can you possibly have a business that doesn't do reconnaissance? You think Walmart is not out there having a whole division? All they do is study the competition, right? When you have a country, that's, you have to have reconnaissance. 
They've got to be studying the ups and downs of every single nation, and they got to have agents in every single nation that has any value. And other nations that are weaker, you just send someone like once every, you know, blue moon to see if there's anything developing there. But you have to. Do you want to compete or not? If you're not attacking, you will get attacked. It's a simple reality of life. If you're not earning money, someone will take money from you. They're taking money from you anyway. Electric company wants something from you. Everyone wants something from you. Question is, who who are you taking money from? Lawfully, but you got to be earning. Okay. So, بِحَمْلِهِمْ إِيَّاكُمْ عَلَى تَرْكِ How are our children and our spouses an enemy to us? Because they pull out our heartstrings to leave off acts of obedience. And here's a message. Okay. Here is a message to those and it's not to be harsh it's not to be mean but it is a message to those who are um uh those who disappear and there are guys i have to say okay <clears throat> there are guys they get married and they disappear okay they get married and they disappear. And what goes on with these guys? That's the question. Yes, I understand. You, 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 guy, you, you, you now have responsibilities. But at the same time, this ayah may be coming out from you. For you. This ayah is, is, is for you. You're somebody who you were all in the masjid all the time. You were doing good. You're doing your thing. You got married. You had one kid. You're a zero now? A complete shutout, right? Like, okay, I have to take care of my wife and kids. Yeah, fine. So everyone else does too. So be, these, those guys, be careful. Be very careful. Too soft. And it's not like you're going to go be harsh and angry with them. That's exactly what this verse is saying not to do. But it's saying be strong. Right? Allah has hukuk. The community has rights. You know, if you're, this community that we're in right now, if it's not all hands on deck, who's going to do it? There is no Khilafah doing this. There's no Sultan doing this for us. Okay? There's no Sultan doing this for us. We got to all do it. And you're sitting at home being served by everybody else doing the work. And you're coming just rolling up in the masjid in sweats. Right? Because, uh, oh, I have to be home. For what? Oh, I have a baby. One baby? One. You're stressed? No. Uh, we got to tell you that there's a limit. Like, where is the limit? Where is it justified to be absent? Right? There is a justification. But that justification is going to come around from the, uh, like, from the jama'ah. Where, if I need to, if there's any fuzzy borders, how do I know? I know the fuzzy border, the limits of the fuzzy border, by going around asking around, right? Ask around. And you see tons of people who got one, two, and three kids, and they're still contributing members. They're benefiting themselves, right? So you don't want to be an outlier. Be in the area where it's understood. So there, there clearly are going to be some times in life where you're stuck at home, right? 
you, you go around and ask around. See what everyone else is. Where's that measure? Where's that bell curve? Everything has a bell curve, right? And that's where you ha- you're justified or not justified. But don't be that guy, as Chocolate Wally says, he's to be that guy. Okay? Oh, don't leave me. And she doesn't leave. And he stays home. But by the way, there are sometimes it's the opposite. The wife wants to do stuff. The guy's a bum. It happens. Trust me. All right? It happens. I've seen it. And by the way, it's increasing. We got to mop up the guys. The guys got to be mopped up. Huh? I'm telling you, some of these guys, they are materialist, secular mind, minded, and they want their wife to just work and, uh, and, and look pretty for parties. Just, this guy is astray. Astray. And then I'm telling you, I've heard many times, a woman comes at, I really want to, but my husband won't let me. Right? Some of those women are strong. They say, listen, it's this, this, or you find another wife. Right? And other women, they get weakened. They get, so this applies for husbands and applies for wives. To, if we're going to be fair about it. Okay. Okay. Innama amwalukum wa awladukum fitna. Allah says, they're adu, and then he says fitna. Okay. The adu pushes you into what is forbidden, the fitna from what is recommended. Uh, so the adu part, the enemy part, is it moves you from obligations and you don't do your obligations and you do prohibitions. But the fitna part is that it stops you from advancing it with no effort. Things that you don't have to do, but they're good deeds to do. Okay. في العظائم ومنع الحق وتناول الحرام. Okay. So, if you're wondering, am I, is this legitimate reason, am I living um, legitimately in the sense that I, I, my balance between home and work is sound and valid and, and is correct and good, right? Ask around. That's the right way. There's no set answer for this, right? Ask around the people that live in your time and place and see if it's reasonable. If the guys laugh at you at the table, right, you know that you're, you're in excess. You're in excess. I can't give much advice to the women, right, but I would assume it's similar, right? Oh, I'd love to pray fetch, but my husband doesn't like the alarm clock. Well, look at what the other women say. Did they give you a look, right? Because... Uh, this that that's where these fuzzy boundaries are determined by your peers and that's where again it goes to this theory that i have and that i believe in that fundamentally human beings are all the same right fundamentally people are the same and you got eyes you got ears you got feet all right so if i if i'm doing something and i have if i have an excuse not to do something i should pass that excuse around float it around some people and see if it's a valid excuse so, but keep in mind, if you have family that's weak or they're on the other track of things, do not make your path of deen a reason to be angry with them. 
or the feeling that they're holding you back a reason to be angry with them. Okay. Omar Abbasi uh, is our consultant, and he's telling us that an earthquake just hit Pakistan. Right after we finish this segment, we'll go into that. Taifun Sarai is asking about a didu. A Sheikh didu is a massive scholar, there's no doubt about that. He has, if you want to know about like seeking ilm, he does dabble on both sides between um, between the Maliki Madhab and between the, uh, I guess you can say, Ibn Taymiyyah's Salafi methodology. So that's why you may get two different, um, you won't get one manhaj from him. He dabbles in both usul. But I can't say anything negative in the sense of, like, so that, it's something like, we don't really do that. We just stick with one of the madhabs. But he um, uh, goes beyond that. But I can't say anything except that he's a massive alim. And he, um, also, he has all the signs of, like, a righteous scholar upon him. But his method is his method, right? And we don't go by that method. All right. Omar Abbas is saying the earthquake is over seven. We're going to read it right now, and this is a big bala upon them. But uh, we will finish this, and then we'll we'll go in straight into that. Wallahu indahu ajrun azim. What do you think you're getting when you soften towards your family and kids? Of course, you're doing it for a reason, right? You want them to be happy so that you can be happy. But Allah is saying Allah has a greater reward because you can't control the forces that affect your family. Right, only Allah can. If you're close to Allah, you're near to Allah. There, He will take care of those things for you, and your family will be even better. Okay, they will be even better. قال بعضهم لما ذكر الله العداوة أدخل فيه من للتبعيض. Notice that he says when he mentions an enmity, that some of them are an enemy to you. He said, from them. So, not all of it. From them. Okay? From your wives and your children, or your spouses and your children, there's an enemy. Because not all of them are your enemy. You will find wife and kids who support you in all your work. Okay? However, when he says, when he says that, um, they are fitna, he says all of them are fitna. Why? Because clearly man loves woman, woman loves man. Husband and wife love each other. You love your kids. Not a single person doesn't love their kids and their wife or their husband. Otherwise you wouldn't be married to them and you'd have to be kids with them. So not all of your spouses are against your advancement in the deen. Okay? Or in whatever it is that you're trying to advance on. But all of them will busy your heart. Okay. You will spend a whole day, right, taking a kid out and just, you ask yourself, what did we do today? We went to Six Flags and we spent about 300 bucks. Why? So that you could see your kid smiling and laughing on the elephants or on the horses or on the motorcycles or on the teacups. That's how much you love your kids. You just want to see them laughing and smiling and having a good time. And they're, again, 
how much do you do that? Again, it's something where you look at the urf of the righteous. Once a year, twice a year, right? You go out three times a year, whatever, right? Whatever is the urf. We're not saying, that, uh, nobody could say that that is illegitimate. Just to love your kids and want to see them smile and take pictures and then go home and edit the pictures and all this hoopla for this little creature, this big. Why? Because you love them. That's the fitrat Allah allati fatra nas It's the fitra of Allah that He's created us like this. So accept the natural way Allah's created. You see, are you weird if you do that? Everyone loves their kids, right? We in Islam, we, we recognize that. Everyone loves their wife. Every wife wants her husband around. Every husband wants his wife around, right? So this is fitrah. The question is, what is the urf of the right balance between the two? Okay. And there is also an extreme. Like, there was a man that we used to know was always in dawah. Always in dawah. He was the opposite end, right? And I thought to myself, man, does this guy ever go home? Like, his parents or his family is down with this? Well, no human beings, no family of shayukh, they're not supermans they're not superwomen they're not super kids they're regular people they needed their dad guess what the result was not good the family result and he would oftentimes cite this ah and what uh uh he would always cite this and he would always go on the dawah be out hours into the night all the time right like wow Allah is uh different from all the other guys all the other guys go home pray after they go home right you just see him hanging out messed late at night like this on a weekday or whatever it is on a saturday what are you doing but the your gut feeling turned out right the gut like wait a second this doesn't add up all the married men are home with their kids and their family tending to them they need attention not only do they need attention don't you want to give them attention don't you enjoy this this is a nama allah gave you turn out to be right family didn't turn out good maybe like one or two of the members of that family are straight or not straight but like their life is put together the others no clearly an absentee dad no doubt about that absentee dad so you got to really look at both ways okay you got to look at it all right both ways وكان عبد الله ابن مسعود يقول لا يقولن أحدكم اللهم إني أعوذ بك من الفتنة فإنه ليس منكم أحد يرجع إلى مال وأهل وولد إلا وهو مشتمل على فتنة ولكن ليقول اللهم إني أعوذ بك من مضلات الفتن. It's extremely important hadith that Ibn Mas'ud is basing this on, and he says here that. Um, do not say, oh Allah, I seek refuge from fitna. Because that means you're seeking refuge from your wife, your husband, your kids, your wealth. All that's a fitna. Fitna here meaning a distraction, busyness of the heart. That could lead you to not investing in your akhirah. But you sh- what you should say is, oh Allah, I seek refuge from mudillat al-fitna. Prophet said say this. Mudillat al-fitna. The fitna that leads me astray. I only seek refuge from the part of it that leads me astray. But Abu Mansur Muhammad ibn Abdul Malik al-Madfari 
أخبرنا أبو سعيد أحمد أحمد بن محمد بن الفضل الفقيه أخبرنا أبو الحسن أحمد بن إسحاق الفقيه حدثنا أحمد بن أبي بكر ابن بكر ابن يوسف حدثنا علي بن الحسين أخبرنا الحسين ابن واقد عن عبد الله بن بريدة قال سمعت أبا بريدة يقول كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يخطبنا فجاء الحسن والحسين وعليهما قميصان أحمران يمشيان ويعثران The Prophet ﷺ was given a khutbah. His two little grandsons, Hassan and Hussein, were wearing red, a red shirts, red shirts, and they came around playing and being kids, just being kids, uh, toddlers. They're toddlers. فَنَزَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ عَنِ الْمِنْبَرِ The Prophet came down from the pulpit. فَحَمَلَهُمَا He lifted them both up. فَوَضَعَهُمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ And he held them like this. Okay. And said, Sadaq Allah, Allah said the truth. Verily, your wealth and your children are fitna. Innama amwalukum wa awladukum fitna. Nadartu ila hadaini subyayani yamshiyani wa ya'thurani falam asbir hatta qata'tu hadithi wa rafa'tuhuma. I saw these two toddlers gawking around and around. In other words, I'm paraphrasing, like the meaning here being so cute. So I could not resist. To come down and pick them up. See, our messenger is emphasizing here or demonstrating fitrat Allah allati fatra nas alayha. It's the fitra of human beings to love your children. If you have this natural inclination, okay, you just we just have to know what's the boundaries. There are two boundaries set: adawa and fitna. The adawa is disobedience of Allah, right? That's a hard red line. The fitna. A dotted red line, right? Where you're going to love them, but you're not going to decrease from your drawing near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not going to, you should not suffer much of a decrease. You may, su- and by the way, you can transform your intention. Your time spent with your family can also be a type of support for them, emotional support. Dawah, you're putting together a person with a clean head, a clean heart, because they don't have emotional issues. They never had an absentee parent. They were never felt ignored, right? Yet at the same time, again, I emphasize, look at what the others, pious people do in the community and what their balance is. And when it's understandable that you're missing it, you're not showing up, and when it's, under, uh, when it's excessive that you're not showing up. Fear, the next ayah says, fear Allah as much as you can. Have taqwa as much as you can. You see that? It's fuzzy. It's a fuzzy border. Allah says, as much as you can. So we ask around and we look at the other. That's why our religion is all about suhbah. Because I need to know what's the boundary. I need to know what's the reasonable amount of time spent at home. What's the reasonable amount of time and money spent purely with entertainment with my kids. Like we have here, some there, there are a couple uh, parks in America called Six Flags. Six Flags, it, it's, it's an amusement park essentially. Six Flags uh, refers to Texas, right? Because they were under French, I think they were under French rule, Spanish rule, American rule, Mexican rule, and they have their own Texas flag, and there's one more other flag. Yeah, so the, yeah, so the phrase Six Flags refers to the six nations 
that ruled Texas. Yeah, Mexico, Spain, France, United States. Texas has its own flag. I don't know what the sixth one is. Maybe someone here from Texas uh, can let us know. But there are a bunch of six flags all over the country. And ICNA here, they, um, they rent it out for Muslims once a year in the fall. Like when it's summertime has passed, now six flags doesn't get a lot of people showing up. So they give the Muslims a deal. And they're publicly closed unless you have a, a ticket from ICNA. Abdul Hafiz uh, is telling us that the Confederate flag is this. Okay, I didn't realize that. Uh, okay, Confederate flag is the six. Thank you, Abdul Hafiz. So, uh, sorry, Eglantina is asking, what is suhbas? No, suhba is companionship. It's being with other Muslims, being with scholars, seeing how they live. You get to see the details of how they live and the balance of fuzzy border things. This is how we said, Allah has purposely put a fuzzy border because it's going to change from time and place. Okay, um, so the this six flag, they, Ikna, they they rent this place out, and that's the day that a lot of people go. And it's almost like because you're you're being with the whole ummah, everyone's praying there, and you just see so many different Muslims. It's like a nice feeling, right? So, and that's the time where you know the kids run around, and at least you're, they're they're not going to be surrounded by half naked people in the summer. I don't understand anyone, no no practicing Muslim guys should really go to Six Flags or any of these beaches in the middle of the summer. You can come away with, like, sins. Like, there's no excuse for that. There's no reason to do that. To go there in the middle of the summer when everyone's, like, half naked, and then they're on water rides, too, and coming out wet with whatever clothes is left on them, you're going to get sins for that. There's no reason for that. So the Ikna has done this Muslim day, which uh, I think the overall general community has... Accept it as something good, right? And 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 I see uh, old, like very old Muslims there, and they're just there to salam all the other the ummah. It's like it's a it's it's all day. The whole Jersey, Philly, New York, they all come, right? So they're just happy to see all the Muslims there. That's it. And it it is ibadah, actually, believe it or not, to just say salam to random Muslims. That's an act of worship, believe it or not. Abdullah bin Omar used to walk around and go to the marketplace and come back. And his family would ask him, you were to the market, what did you get? Or what did you sell? He said, no, I just went to, salam, to give salam to the Muslims. Now there was a man, a Mauritanian man who used to do that, right? And he used to do it at traffic lights. So he used to just like knock on the guy's window in the Emirates. This is way back in the 80s, right? When people would understand this. He would knock on the window Man would roll the window. Ah, khair. What can I do for you? Ah, no. Assalamu alaikum. Then move to the next bit. Assalamu alaikum. That's it. That's the brotherhood that this message of the Prophet said and wants to instill on the on the ummah. Okay. Hundred sins are dropped. Ninety nine for the one who starts it, who initiates it. Fuzzy border. We're only going to know this by suhbah. Suhbatul akhiyar. Not suhbah of anybody. Suhbah of those who are at least praying fast and have some knowledge. Okay. Fear Allah, the taqwa that he deserves. That ayah came down first. 
and the believers were quaking. Fear Allah with the taqwa he deserves. And they tried hard and they sacrificed hard. Then Allah abrogated, abrogated that verse with have piety to the degree that you can. Meaning that's the new standard. Have piety as much as you can. Okay. Listen and obey. Keep it simple. Listen to the rules of Allah and obey them. Okay. You don't go asking many questions. Just listen and do it as much as you can. Don't go into the details and ask questions that the answer will just make things harder for you. Okay. If Allah wanted it, He would have said it to you. Right? Give sadaqah. Give sadaqah. What is the sadaqah is going to cover up your mistakes? Do what you can. You're going to have mistakes. You're going to have incompleteness. Be charitable in any... It doesn't just mean by money. Money is the greatest source. Money is the greatest charity, right? Do I want you to smile at me or do you want... What would I rather have? A smile or money? Ask anybody. You want 100 smiles or you want $100? What benefits you more, right? Be careful of your enemy, which is greed. Shuh. Yuqa. Fear your shuh, your greed. Okay. Fear your greed because your greed is what's going to stop you from sadaqah. It's going to make you commit sins. It's going to make you do a lot of bad things. So Allah goes to the root. Instead of asking detailed questions, oh, can I do this? Can I do that? Go to your greed. Remove your greed. You won't have any of these questions anymore. Remove your greediness of the dunya. Everything that you do for Allah Ta'ala, you will get much more, double or more of the reward. And He will forgive you. And Allah Shakur, He always rewards. Shakur means He rewards. And He's Halim when you commit sins. He is slow to judge, to pass a judgment upon you and a punishment upon you. Halim. Alimul Ghaybi wa Shahada al Aziz wal Hakim. He knows this world and what is to come. And He is most majestic and most wise. So that is the end of the tafsir of uh, Surah At-Taghabun. Okay, and now next week we will be moving to the tafsir of Surah Al-Munafiqun. There is, I don't know if there's anything better that a Muslim can do than I have a pile of books next to me here just taking a nugget from each one of these books. A nugget of fiqh, a nugget of sirah, a nugget of shama'il, a nugget of tasawwuf, a nugget of aqidah. Nuggets, nuggets here and there in an easy way that everyone can absorb. Right? And that's basically our business here. All right. Um, our beloved Pakistan. We got to read this because in the child care in the Islamic school that we have, the the uh, teacher there, she teaches the kids, they're like two years old, she teaches them to uh, say, I love Pakistan. Okay, no. Yeah, this happened just now.
let's see what's going on. It's not, uh, it is not uh, affairs of the Ummah, but this is, this is live. This is happening right now. A magnitude of 6.5 earthquake hits Afghanistan and northern Pakistan and tremors are felt as far away as India. The quake epicenter is 25 miles, which is 40 kilometers, south, southeast of the Afghan town of Jurm, near the border with Pakistan and Tajikistan. Tremors were felt in Pakistan's capital Islamabad, Rawalpindi, Lahore, Quetta, Sargoda, Menwala, Peshawar, Kohat, Swat, Chitral, Dir, Shangal, and other districts of the Punjab. The quake was also felt in Mirpur, Kotli. It also shook parts of India, uh, uh, of the Indian-administered Kashmir, and northern India, including Delhi. Okay. A strong earthquake has struck Pakistan, Afghanistan, and India. The U.S. Uh, Geological Survey says it was a 6.5. Okay. And it hit Afghanistan's Hindu Kush region. What, what exactly does Hindu Kush refer to? Pakistan's meteorolo- meteorolo- meteorological... Okay. A little bit of a tongue twister because it has three O's in a row. Meteorological office measured the earthquake at 6.8. There are no no reports yet on the degree of damage and the deaths. Okay, so let's now see what else is happening. That so that was Al Jazeera. There, it's too soon to get any reports. But are the are there cities though? Are there cities that were there? Hindu Kush is a mountain region. Uh, the nickname for weed is named after it. That's why I was thinking, like, Kush, what is, you know? There, there are varying reports about the earthquake's epicenter and strength, but the U.S. Geological Survey reported a 6.5 magnitude. There are no immediate reports of injuries. Low likelihood of damages. Okay. Afghanistan is frequently hit by earthquakes, especially in the Hindu Kush mountain range, which if it's a mountain range, I'm assuming there's not a lot of, you know, civilian uh, areas there, uh, civilian settlements and cities, I should say. I'm assuming that. Okay. It's my assumption. More than a thousand people were killed and 10,000 homeless after the last earthquake, which was smaller. It was 5.9 magnitude. Okay. And that was June 22nd of last year. Not a lot of them. It seems like Afghanistan really never catches a break. Okay. No, no, there's not much uh, right now, except that we know the earthquake happened, obviously. But the damages, pictures, photographs of rubble, deaths, and injuries, um, unknown yet. Here's an interesting article. I don't know 
what unheard is, but interesting article by Cheryl Bernard, who's an academic and an author. She says, I just, I can't resist sort of looking into this. Is America turning into Pakistan? Trump's looming arrest suggests his future you know, doesn't lie in Florida. Um, because now the president's getting arrested, I guess that happened in Pakistan, right? So that's why she says, let's start with the game of guess the country. Oh my gosh, you can go and offend all of our Pakistani friends. Let, well, let's read it, okay? In this nation, a former head of state announces his attempt to return to power, so his opponents set out to block him. In doing so, they revive past scandals and purported financial misdeeds related to questionable campaign contributions and gifts from foreign governments. Which country am I thinking of? If you said Pakistan, you would be correct. But if you said America, you would also be correct. For the U.S., this is a departure. Not because of scandals, of course. From the country's inception, many of its highest-ranking political figures have had scandals. Political, financial, sexual, all three. There were love triangles, duels, extramarital offsprings, flings with interns, accusations of corruption, all right? All going back to Alexander Hamilton, illicit campaign finance to Ulysses S. Grant, okay? When his supporters diverted a tax on whiskey to the election coffers. Okay, At the presidential level, though, the maximum consequence, how are you? How are you? At the presidential level, though, the maximum consequence has been impeachment. All right. Johnson, Clinton, and Trump. All right. And Trump uh, was impeached twice. He, he's sure he's, he's going to use that to be like, I was the only uh, president to be impeached twice. Or the preemptive resignation of the offender, Nixon. To jail a president, however was until recently unthinkable no matter what one might feel regarding the individual office holder and this was a valuable safety measure keeping antagonism and partisan rivalries within bounds if trump's warnings are correct and he's arrested today it will represent a new low in a chain of unprecedented prior boundary violations including an unannounced fbi raid on a former president's home with guns drawn the guy has flipped everything upside down. Uh, this time, the consequences will not be pretty. For once, a red line is erased. It is gone for good. No matter which party you belong to, who will be next? The Democrats hated and investigated Ivanka and Donald Jr. Already the Republicans are zeroing in on Hunter Biden, step by step, tit for tat. America is headed heading into the banana republic zone. This is a great article. This is a great article. I send this article to some friends. This is a great article, if you ask me. It, it's Banana Republic. I've never heard of this place, but she's an academic and an author. She's not some kind of a drama, you know, it's just someone writing for the sake of drama like the New York Post. To find out what this entails, we need only to look at Pakistan. What does it look like when your country is a banana republic? Here in Pakistan... Oh, here in America, we have a political system that regularly can... Oh, I guess he's talking about Pakistan. We, we have a political system that regularly cannibalizes its leaders, jailing them, executing them, or assassinating them with such appalling regularity. It's true. Every single leader. 
with such appalling regular, re, regularity that one wonders why anyone would ever seek this high office in the first place. You know you're, you're not going to have a good ending. Finally, you got the guy. I mean, you got the coolest president in the world. In the world. Hands down, Imran Khan. I mean, this guy, if you're going to choose, if you had a company and you needed a head of your company or a guy to represent your company, do you want this guy? The guy is like 70 years old and he looks great and he looks fit and he's strong and he's smart and he says the right thing, right? <laughs> you got rid of him. For whom? You you went to the, the, the UN, you know, when they all give that general assembly, everyone's, everyone's waiting for Imran Khan to talk, right? That's all people want to hear, Imran Khan. Now, I don't know about the, 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 the details on the inside. I know the old guard, they don't like him. I'm with Imran Khan, if you ask me. I like on a quick snapshot, I'm with Imran Khan. Okay. It show me something that he actually did that looks that was terrible. I didn't see anything like that. But let's see what happened. The explanation is most likely a combination of factors. Idealism bordering on a savior complex that every you know party looks at their guy, oh, we need a savior, rather than, okay, you're going to be a president. You're going to do good things. You're going to do bad things. You're going to move on. No, we need a savior. The addictive adulation of supporters who at rally can easily number in the semi-hysterical millions. And that's true. Like all these countries... They don't support a leader with a measured rationality, right? They die for their leader. They love their leader. Their leader can never make a mistake, right? It's hysterical. There's not a rational judgment. Okay, yeah, I think he'll be a good leader. If he does wrong, we'll move on from him, right? No, there's not that. The push of relatives and hangers-on, all hoping to benefit, right? Because there's so much corruption, there's so much to benefit. The lure of all sorts of personal, licit, and illicit benefits. Take Zulfikar Ali Bhutto, who served, here we are, it's like poor countries having an earthquake. We're reading an article that's railing on all their problems. But, I mean, could, there's no information on the earthquake yet. So when we get that, we'll read it. But for now, this article is really good. Take Zulfikar Ali Bhutto, served first as Pakistan's president and then prime minister in the 70s. After being educated in the U.S. and the U.K., he founded the Pakistan People's Party and oversaw the drafting of the, of the country's constitution. Ultimately, he was deposed in a military coup, arrested, put on trial for involvement of murder of a political rival, found not guilty, re-arrested under martial law on the same charge, tortured, sentenced to death, and hanged. What in the world? What is wrong with you? Like, you don't respect the office of the presidency, clearly. The man responsible for the for his demise was Zeal Huck. Hold on a second. I thought he was good. I thought Zeal Huck was someone like I always heard good things about Zeal Huck. He's the one who did that. It's a Zulfikar Adi Bhutto. It's a, it's a, it's like uh, it's like boxing. Or it's like you know, like he defeated so and so. Then you know, years later, he knocked him out, and then he knocked him out. He became president via military coup in 1977. His turn in power ended in a mysterious plane crash 11 years later, right, believed to have been caused by a bomb concealed in a box of mangoes. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you, you cannot be. You cannot die on that. 
hey, I know how to hide this. Cover it in mank. Is this like Gru and, and the minions? Right? The minions would pull that off. Hey, we, we have bomb. Cover in mangoes. He'll never know. Are you kidding? And you put it on the plane with him. You never wondered why a box of mangoes is going with the president? Was it a plane crash or a helicopter crash? A mysterious plane crash. Wow. Let's put a box of... Oh, hey, Secret Service. What do we have here? You know, everything's fine. It's an interesting box of, of fruit. I don't know why the president of our country needs fruit on the, on the plane. <sighs> Truly a banana republic, if that's true, right? Later in 1999, Pervez Musharraf became president through a military takeover, cementing his position by jailing and initiating criminal proceedings against Nawaz Sharif. Musharraf was the target of multiple assassination attempts and survived them all. When his excess against political opponents became too extreme and he was about to be impeached, he fled into exile. Upon trying to make a comeback in 2013, he was indicted by the country's high court for involvement in political murders, including that of Benazir Bhutto, the daughter of Zulfikar. So, oh, so Zulfikar, Bhutto is not a Sunni Muslim, right? What is she? Yeah. I, I knew about that because I know people hated her for that reason, right? Um, okay, so uh, so Benazir Bhutto is the daughter of Zulfikar, and she was prime minister twice, okay, and caused Musharraf to flee to Dubai to avoid arrest. And that's another thing that's always fishy and shady. Like when the kids of presidents become presidents, it's like, this is like an unfair advantage. When I look at the NHL now, right? Every other player is the son of another player. It's like, you guys have an unfair advantage. I guess, I mean, it's an unfair advantage. But then again, I guess it's natural in all fields. If you go to a doctor, uh, the doctors in the hospitals, I bet you 50% their parents or grandparents were doctors. Like they helped you along the field. So that makes sense, I guess. But it's weird when you're claiming to be like a democratic society and then half the presidents are related to other halves, uh, to other presidents. So the, this pattern of politics, that was a great summary of the drama, and I'm sure she had a blast writing in that the bomb was tucked into a box of mangoes. <laughs> the pattern of politics can only be described as dysfunctional. She's trying to be polite here. She really is. She's doing as much as she can. It operates on the basis of disregard for the rule of law, direct violent attacks on political rivals, manipulation of elections, intimidation of opponents, misuse of the judicial system, and frequent attempts to kill political figures. Its current protagonist, Imran Khan, is certainly eccentric, all right, with marriages to a British socialite, a journalist who later wrote a tell-all about his supposedly degenerate personal life, and now he's an ultra-Islamic Sufi alleged to engage in witchcraft on his behalf. What? No. Weird? That's very weird. He is currently... How come we're talking about your country? Yes. Uh, he is currently... Did you know that your president was killed with a bomb hidden under a box of mangoes? Now, anytime that, you, that a daisy sees a box of mangoes, now look at it, right? Just make sure. He is currently limping along with his legs in casts and bandages from a recent assassination attempt. I didn't know that. While efforts are underway to arrest him for allegedly failing to mention an illegitimate daughter in his pre-election paperwork. In Sharia, 
isn't Pakistan a Sharia country? So if it's an illegitimate daughter, what's the proof that it's his daughter? She's the child of the of the bed, the bed in which birth was given, right? Right? Sharia Pakistan's a Sharia country, ruled country. How do you know it's an illegitimate daughter? We don't go by DNA and testing, right? Or admission. But I, I think the Hanafis may go by admission. Hanafis may go by that. So then maybe that's the explanation. Anyway, they're killing all their presidents. We're asking about Sharia when it comes to the illegitimate daughter, right? Selling gifts he received from foreign dignitaries, dozen of lesser misdeeds, Khan supporters, meanwhile, are encamped around his home to defend him, engaging in battles with police. I, don't, I need to see that footage. There are a number of obvious analogies to Trump. Similarly, a populist, an eccentric. But you can't say that Trump and Imran Khan are the same in, in, other, in, in, their way, in their style. Because one is a garbage man. And the other guy is not, right? One's like respectable, the other one's a garbage man. Similarly, a populist, an eccentric, a person swirling with allegations about his sex life, financial dealings, and his family. If he is arrested today, it seems likely it will be because of hush money paid to a porn star. Supposed to be a rated G podcast, but fine. In response, the Democrats have spent the past months attempting to take him out of play through harassment in the courts, over comparatively trivial matters. He is accused, for instance, of failing to properly register all gifts he received during state visits. During their time in office, politicians and diplomats constantly receive gifts. Really? So the president goes and registers them? Or does he have like a thousand aides to do that stuff? Right? These gifts are of varying value and tastefulness, and it's not the task of the recipient to register them. That's a job for staffers. That's what I just said, right? You're going to have the president, oh, I received a cup, right? I received a bowl. I received, you know, that's what they give them. Like, Are you uh, talking about Trump right now? Yeah, Trump. Like stuff like they give him like some uh, historic artifact from our country, you know, whatever. This is from Queen so-and-so and it's whatever. You think the, the president even is going to look at it once and hand it on. In the case of Trump, the two most significant gifts he is accused of keeping? Who wants to guess? A set of golf clubs? Yeah, I knew it. Right? <laughs> and a life-size portrait of himself. Accused of keeping? Yeah. Crime? Yeah, because he received them as state gifts, and he should have registered them and handed them to the country. That's what you do when you get a state. It's not for you. You're only given this gift as a president, right? So you have to give it to the state. Okay, back in the real world, both Trump and Khan's cases reek of a double standard, with the target personality being scrutinized for behavior that, for better or for worse, is widespread in the political, within the political elite. She's being very fair. As for their sexual peccadilloes in both instances, these relate to instances, incidents that are well in the past and not all that sordid. The Democrats have been scouring the nooks and crannies of Trump's personal life in a determined effort to prosecute and jail him. That's not equal treatment under the law. It's political gambit. Perhaps their campaign slogan should be Make America Pakistan. <laughs> Poor Pakistan getting the insults today. But at least you're leading. You're ahead. In the banana republic element of society. No one competes with you. Meanwhile, as the Republican Party heads to the 2024 election, its most energetic slogan 
inspiring hats and bumper stickers is Make America Florida. Under Ron DeSantis, Florida has charted its own course in recent years and done very well. Its unemployment rate is at a record low. Its budget surplus is at a record high. And it has zero income tax. Elsewhere, Washington, D.C., a mess. California, an utter mess. New York, a mess. Chicago, a mess. These major cities are uh, all sport a collapsing infrastructure, potholed roads, pop-up homeless encampments, and rampant lawlessness. Maybe she has a point. Uh, heading off? All right, Barclow Figment. Wait, how long are you here for? Um, okay. 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 All right. Amid this urban blight, Florida appears to be a beacon of hope. Its infrastructure is well maintained. The streets are clean. Affordable public transport is state of the art. Crimes are low. Unsurprisingly, corporations as well as private persons have been abandoning ship, fleeing their floundering cities, and moving to the well run Sunshine State. The DeSantis formula no nonsense. Frontier America law and order. Individualism. Okay. I gotta be honest, I like it. Yeah, they say that he tortured Muslims and stuff like that. That's true. We can't really deny that. All right. Not only did this win him a landslide re-election, but it turned Florida, the Florida formula, into the Republican vision of America's future. He basically modeled it. He demonstrated it. It's efficiently managed. It's pragmatic, minimally interventionist, focused on middle ground conservative attitudes and values but strong on personal liberties it's sounding pretty good to a lot of people whether or not trump is locked up today next year's elections could you check if trump got locked up next year's or, or arrested i don't think he got arrested but okay look to be a watershed moment next year's election will america become florida or pakistan all right um It, very interesting, and I got to know what this unheard of, what this site is all about, first of all. You know, people say, oh, but it's a, it's a conservative site. So that doesn't mean the facts are facts, right? The analysis, we, we can also assess the analysis, right? Clearly, she has a slant towards, uh, towards, the, towards Florida, but if she was against Florida, would that be neutral, Right? The mission statement about this organization unheard or this this newsletter or whatever you want to call this news site unheard.com as you may have guessed from our strange spelling unheard aims to do two things heard meaning a mass of like cows h-e-r-d or heard not a herd like h-e-a-r-d unheard aims to do two things push back against the herd mentality with new and bold thinking and to provide a platform for otherwise unheard ideas, people, and places. Maybe we can make submissions to them about the Sharia. We think this approach is more needed than ever. Societies across the West are divided and stuck, and the established media is struggling to make sense of what's happening. The governing ideologies of the past generation are too often unquestionably defended or rejected wholesale. Okay? It's safe and easy to be in one of, the two, of these two camps, defensive liberal or angry reactionary. But unheard is trying to do something different and harder. 
We want to be bold enough to identify those things that have been lost, as well as gained, by the liberal world order over the past 30 years, but we strive to be always thoughtful rather than decisive. We're not aligned with any political party. The writers and ideas we are interested in come from the left and the right, but we instinctively believe that the way forward will be found through a shift of emphasis towards community, not just individualism, towards responsibilities as well as rights, and towards meaning and virtue over shallow materialism. Okay? And they got, um, looks like they got a team of about 15 people here. Okay? And, uh, Of course, he's been doing it for years now, this guy. Yeah. Let's uh, do a little bit of, uh, very quickly, uh, very quickly we'll do a, a little bit of fiqh on CM. Unheard? Yeah. It, it reported on the Pakistan uh, uh, earthquake. Because that that's how it started. And... <laughs> And then I, uh, I saw this thing, is America becoming Pakistan? And I couldn't resist clicking on it, right? <laughs> I couldn't resist. Well, I have to say it was a good article. I'm sure she, uh, she, she had a blast reporting about that mango thing. My goodness. No, no she's an American uh, academic, historian, political scientist, something like that. Right? Box of mangoes. Minions, I'm telling you. The Minions. If you saw that in a Minion movie, you would say it's a kid's movie, right? Cover it up with mangoes. Right? Well, whatever it is, however people react is what their situation is. If they react uh, with sabr, it's purification. If they re- draw, if they make it themselves draw near to Allah because of this, it's an increase in rank. And if they go worse in sins, it's punishment. That's how we look at it, right? And what the cause is? Is the Ummah of Islam catching a break anywhere? So the good are being purified because their lives have been sullied by the wicked and the munafics. The wicked and the munafic have made it really hard to be pious, right? And to be pure. So Allah purifies the pure, the, the, those who are trying. He purifies them with tribulations. Subhanallah. And for those who do the mischief and, do, and are the munafiqeen, as Surah Al-Baqarah says, they go around sowing mischief in the earth. This is their punishment. You will never enjoy it. The word sawm, it means to stop. Therefore, the month of Ramadan is a month of slowing down a little bit. To stop, to pause, to spend time cleaning our hearts. Okay. That is the function of CM. Is CM uh, something that is inefficient? Uh, for we can't work and we're not making money anymore. First of all, you can work. Number two. Akhirah is more important. Your heart is more important. To pause, a community-wide pause, 
to all of us recalibrate with the Quran is more important. And it's a longer, ben, longer benefit. And the only way to do this, the only way to do this, is to do it all together. None of us can pause while the rest of the world is moving, right? Take care, Mabasha. Good to see you. We need to pause all together, right? No one's going to fast and pray at night for 30 months straight. We need the whole community to support us doing this. We need to know everyone's doing it. Okay. There are three things we need to talk about. The fast of Ramadan, qada, is making up missed days that had a valid excuse. Kafara, expiations for days that you didn't fast without a valid excuse. And fidya, fidya is payments given by those in certain circumstances. Most specifically, those who can never ever fast okay can never ever fast and we will discuss all of the things that break the fast okay the only days that's ever forbidden to fast are the days of eid you you may fast on friday you may fast on a saturday you may fast on nafila in any day except the first of shawwal which is eid and then the 10th 11th, 12th, 13th of Dhul-Hijjah, which are the four days of Eid al-Kabir, al-Eid al-Kabir, or Eid al-Adha. What is the most recommended day to fast? Yom Arafah, the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah. Okay. And the Prophet's fasting was never systematic. Yes, he did put Sahaba on systems. Some Sahaba need this. They, they, not Sahaba needed this, but some people need this. And amongst them, the Sahaba. Such as, for example, to fast Monday and Thursday. Or to fast the three white days, okay, which are the full moon and the day before. It was 13, 14, 15 of the month. Or to fast every other day for some. So the Prophet put some Sahaba on the, such systems. They needed structure. But the Prophet's own fast was not structured. Sometimes you fast a lot. Sometimes you fast very little. Speak. Go ahead. Yeah. Move it and take it where you need to go to. TT <laughs> Ansari this is not only going to be saved on Instagram it's going to be saved on YouTube and by the way Spotify is all updated by the way it's all updated you got it on Spotify? yeah I'm on Spotify monetize? good question we got to ask the team for that yeah um, now when are we allowed let's now go to um the preconditions of fasting. Number one, bulugh. You have to be... Uh, the precondition of obligation. It's not obligatory upon you until you are balagh aql. Hadr. Okay? It is obligatory when... And, and qadr. When you are mature, you are sane. Physically mature means you pass puberty. Your puberty is marked by... The moment a boy releases semen, he's now a man in the, in the law. When a girl has height or gives birth, either one ever comes first, most likely it's going to be height, she is a woman in the eyes of the Sharia. She is responsible in the eyes of the Sharia. So that's bulugh. Qudra, physically capable of fasting by the testimony of a Muslim doctor. Because anything that has 
to do with you being able to do something or not do something of the deen requires a Muslim expert. And that Muslim must be like Salih, meaning he prays and fasts. And you don't see him doing public sins or having crazy beliefs. Basic, just a practicing Muslim, that's it. Hadr, you're not obligated to fast if you're traveling. Okay? And of course we said Aqil. Now what are the preconditions of acceptance? Uh, 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 There are the preconditions of validity. We just mentioned the preconditions of obligation. These things have to happen first before you're obligated. What are the preconditions of validity? Your fast is not valid unless you are certain the month is there, is in. You can't fast a day saying, it's probably Ramadan, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Let me just fast. No, you must be certain. And that certainty is derived by two ways. Either Shaban reaches 30 night, 30 night, 30 days, which you know that the Hijri month will never be 31 days. So therefore Ramadan must be the next night. Or the moon was witnessed, the crescent was witnessed by two upright people or a mass of people. And we go by anywhere in the globe. Okay? Anywhere in the globe. But we're living in a time where the communication is easy. Right? Anywhere in the globe. Some of them have limited it to those who share a night with you or share a day with you. Right? So they must share a portion of the night. Some have made those limitations. Um, others have even limited even more, which is local. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Is New York local to us? Right? Is Chicago not local to us in, in the moon sighting sense? So let's say we can go by global. Right? But whatever your fiqh tells you. And the clearly now this brings up the awkward situation that all the mosques, ninety percent, not say not all of them, but ninety percent, they will go by the scheduled, the predetermined visibility calculation. Now I'll tell you why this ends up being more of a thing than something else, is that um, it's like I would say ninety-eight out of a hundred times, the calculation of visibility, not calculation of birth. There's two calculations, calculation of birth and calculation of visibility. That latter one is almost always in line with actual moon sightings. And we're far enough in the west, and the moon, the night comes in the east first, right? That we always see, we're always able to justify uh, with a moon sighting. So we know, for example, our masjid, the Tarawih is starting Wednesday night, with or without us. Now, if you want to go by fiqh and you need a moon sighting, you will, 98 out of 100 times, you're going to find one. There, someone in the world will see, will see it. Okay? Thank you very much. Wait, wrong keys. This is not mine. Ooh, I got a gift, a keychain. Allahu Akbar. Thank you very much, Abbasha. Okay? Now, that is the, that's the issue, that is the precondition of validity. It's not valid unless you are certain the month is in. Number two, it's not valid unless you made the intention before Fajr comes in. So if they tell you Ramadan is Thursday, let's, let's say it's tonight, and we see the moon, boom, there it is. Right then and there, 
I make the intention to fast the whole month. How do I make that intention? In my heart. That's it. Right? If you want to say it with your tongue just for the sake of it, you can. You can. There's nothing stopping you. But you're not obligated to. In your heart, you made the intention. When do I need to renew this intention? Every night? No. It's enough for the whole month. The only time that you need to renew the intention is if a valid reason occurs for you not to fast. Okay? Such as what? I'm traveling. I'm sick. I have height. All the reasons that are valid, all of a sudden, uh, are, are, are after those, those purposes are gone, those reasons are gone, you must redo the intention. That's it. That's how simple it is. What are the pillars of fasting? The pillars of fasting are all negative. In other words, they're things you don't do. The intent, you don't do it. It's in your heart. And the other things are abstaining from breaking the fast. From first light, which is Fajr, until Maghrib, right? Abstaining from the things that break the So what are things that break that? It's a very simple rule. Fluid that reaches the throat. If fluid reaches your throat, you broke your fast. Which is, that fluid could come through your mouth, or through your nose, and even through your tear ducts. If it gets in, like drops, get in, and get into your ducts and make its way through your throat, you broke your fast. Okay? So fluid gets to the throat. Solids, okay, if it passes your throat and gets to your stomach, in any way that a solid gets to your stomach, you broke your fast. Intentional vomiting. Intentional vomiting breaks your fast. Unintentional vomiting does not break your fast, but purposely vomiting breaks your fast okay uh if you gargle if you use toothbrush and if you use if you rinse your mouth out okay the the clo- you are responsible to make sure the water doesn't get you through you should not gargle in ramadan you can rinse your mouth out with your head down okay to make sure that the water doesn't reach your throat why would you gargle in ramadan like uh, you, you have a risk now you're literally putting the water in your throat so don't take that risk can you taste food if you're cooking the answer is you may taste the food right but it's discouraged and you'd have to spit it out okay what else what are you allowed to do you're allowed to rinse your mouth even just to cool off you're allowed to use a miswak through the whole day in the Madiki school okay you are allowed to break your fasts Okay. Only on the day, if you only if you leave before Fajr. Okay. If you're traveling, you must depart before Fajr, like the night before, for example. So if I'm going to travel, and I gave this advice to people who are taking the MCAT, travel, you are allowed to travel for any halal purpose in Ramadan and break your fast. So a brother told me, I'm in an impossible situation, I need your help. I'm so happy about this because I actually was able to help him out. He says to me, it's Ramadan. I got the MCATs. We're up, up here in North Brunswick. The MCAT is going to be held in Atlantic City at 8 a.m. So he's like, I got to wake up, uh, have suhoor, and drive two hours to Atlantic City and take the exam. I'm like, you are going to be shot. 
I have a better idea. He's like, am I allowed to break the fast for that? I said, no, you're not allowed to break the fast for that, but I will give you a solution. It was, this was the day before. He's calling me the day before, right, for the fatwa, right? No. So I said, listen, this is what you do. You break your fast today, okay? Pack your bags. You drive down to Atlantic City. You check into a hotel. Tonight, guess what? You're a traveler. You don't have to fast tomorrow, right? You wake up. You get to sleep, right, up to the time. You have a hearty breakfast. Take your water, right? And you go and you take your exam. He was shocked at the idea, right? That's why a little bit of knowledge, you could really change someone's course of their life, right? I should probably charge him a percentage of his earnings for the next 10 years, right? You would have failed that MCAT if you had done your own thing of fasting, right? Uh, on the day of, driving two hours after suhoor and then being exhausted. So um, if, you, if you're going to travel, remember, if you wake up, and Fajr has come in, you're liable for that day. You owe that day. Okay. Now, if you get sick on that day, if, you, if your job puts someone else at risk on that day, if you get hide on that day, that, then those are valid reasons to break the fast. Now, let's talk about each one of those. If you get sick... You can break your fast. What is sickness? Sickness, it's like, it's, it's, there's, mashaka is hardship. Once you've passed hardship into like excruciating pain, that is sickness, right? Like truly unable to fast. I'm sick. In the parlance of all people, I'm sick, right? You may break your fast. But the moment you feel better, you have to stop eating. So if I'm sick at one I eat all the way to 2 and 3 and take medicine and take a nap. I wake up at 3.30. I feel great. You're not allowed to eat anymore because your excuse is gone. So you're not fasting and you're not eating. This is called imsek. Neither are you fasting. Neither is it permitted for you to eat. Right? All right, number two. That's not a sanctity of the month. Just for the sanctity of the month. Number two. (laughs) You were traveling. You arrived in the middle of the day. So you had an excuse to break your fast. Now you're back. You can't eat. You must observe him sec. Take a third example. You're a bus driver. You're a surgeon. You're a pilot. You wake up. You have suhoor. You go to work. At work, you're a bit fuzzy. You're not sharp. You're dizzy. Is dizziness a reason to break the fast? No, it's not. Is not being mentally sharp a reason to break the fast? No, it's not. But in your case, you can risk the lives of other people. Can you possibly be a surgeon who's not with it, who's drowsy, who's like, I can actually hurt someone here. I can, for, you know, make a mistake in driving a bus or riding a plane. You can hurt somebody. If you're a breastfeeding mother, and your fast will render you not being able to breastfeed from like 1 p.m. because you're all dried up until Maghrib, that's seven hours, the baby's crying seven hours, six hours, five hours, that's hardship. These categories of people, they they may break their fast for the sake of the other person that they're endangering. And that person 
must now do qada plus fidya. They owe qada and they owe fidya. Because they didn't break the fast for themselves, they break the fast for somebody else. You see the difference? Very important to know this. Okay. Mm, yeah, it breaks the fast. Yes, it breaks the fast. Yeah, because the it, if 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 the 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 vapor gets into the nose, but if it's at the other end of the room, it doesn't break the fast. Only when it's coming into your nose. That's why you can't sniff bukhur. Okay, but things that are out of your control, such as the steamy kitchen when cooking, the steamy bathroom when washing. The dusty road or the rainy road that you're walking in the dust and in the road and that stuff gets into your system, you're not accountable for that. Okay, it's too much, it's impossible to actually measure or to avoid. What if I eat on accident and drink on accident? Well, in the Madiki school, you are not guilty, but you owe qada. And you are observing imsak for the rest of the day. Okay. If you lose conscious or you faint, Okay? or you have a fit of insanity, then that is a reason to break your fast because when you wake up, you need sugar right away. What if I give blood, donate blood in the middle of Ramadan? You're, you are doing something makruh for the simple reason that you're putting yourself in a situation that you will need some sugar and you'll make yourself sick, make yourself dizzy. Any act that you do where it's known you will make yourself sick. You will make yourself dizzy. You will make yourself thirsty. And then you do become those things. Your breaking of your fast for that sickness is sinful. Okay? Sinful. It's not a valid reason. Because you made yourself sick. In an action that you didn't have to do, that was, by all measures, it will cause this problem. All right, what is qada? As we said, it's one day for every day that you missed with a valid excuse. However, if a year passes and you didn't do that day, you owe fidya on top of that. Remember, if you broke your fast for the sake of another person, okay, then you owe qada plus fidya as well. If you broke your fast by disrespecting the month or an interpretation that's absurd, okay, then you owe kafara. Okay? Kafara is feeding 60 different poor Muslims one, two handfuls of food, which is the same amount of money as the fidya, 12 bucks. Fidya is one, kafara is 60 of those. And it must go to a poor Muslim. And you may put, use a wakil. A wakil is an agent. Who are those agents? The masajid. Every masjid you go to that has uh, a, that accepts zakah, you write the envelope or the check, fidya. You go online, you make sure that it's clear that this is fidya, okay? Or kafara. It will go, the, the masjid will go and distribute it to poor Muslims, okay? Yep. Okay. We need an answer from the doctor to fast or not to fast. It can be like 
we need an answer. And then that's the problem in the first place. You need to have a Muslim doctor who fasts. Because the doctor, like, whatever you're feeling, can't base it on. Hmm? Because he's saying however you feel that day. No, well, first he's asking the wrong doctor in the first place. Yeah. And if the doctor, if the, if the, if the man has a history, every time I fast, I get really sick. So he's now linked, and he knows, I cannot fast. I've experienced it this myself. Then he pays fidya. Then that, but he needs a Muslim doctor to confirm that for him. Yeah. As far as fidya goes, when yeah. you miss a year, I didn't, I missed the last one. Yeah. Your next year comes by, I owe fidya. No. I don't pay until next year, but three more? No. The fidya did never accrues over time. For example, if you missed, you didn't make up your fast for one year, you didn't make your fast for two years, for three years, for four years. The fidya never adds up. It's only ever one qadat, one fidya. That's it. Uh, or by Fatima, no, you can't do dhikr during the khutbah or a dars. It's makru. It's discouraged and it's not respectful. For, for Jumma khutbah, definitely not. For class, it's makru to do that. It's not adept to do that, I should say. Okay. Now, when you owe kafara. You also owe the qada. You also owe the day. So you have to make up the day, and you have to pay the kafara, and you have to make tawbah. And the fidya this year is calculated as $12 a day. Some masajid have inflated it to $15 a day. But you can go to the store, ShopRite, and buy $12 worth of food that will make a handful of food. And that food can just be rice, bread and dates, doesn't have to be me. Okay. All right, that's enough for that. Quick revision of CM, and let us now. Um, yeah, who should we send the fidya to? Your local community has priority. Your local community takes priority of receiving the fidya. Okay, but if you send it abroad, it's acceptable, for sure. Is it better better to do another Umrah for a deceased parent or Tawaf in their name? Umrah, of course, is stronger than Tawaf. Tawaf is just part of the... Uh, tawaf is, of course, a good deed, but Umrah is stronger. I thought Fidya could be just feeding three to four people. Fidya is feeding one poor Muslim. Kafara is 60 different poor Muslims. Okay, Use a wakil. It'll be easier for you. What if I continuously commit major sins? Can I go to heaven? If you repent every time and you're just weak and you fall into it again, but you always make tawbah. When one takes an opinion from another madhab, why does the other mufti from the madhab say, don't tell me if you are from another madhab or not, take my ruling and go away? Uh, yeah, if you are from another madhab, why are you asking that person in the first place? So, the... Tarfiq is permitted in certain t- circumstances. Like I was praying wrong my whole life according to this madhab. But according to another madhab, it was valid. So we say, okay, you don't have to make up your prayers then because it was valid in another madhab. Okay. Do nicotine patches on the skin break the fast of Ramadan? I heard that they do not energize the person. If they are energizing forces then they would break the fast. But, I, but from what I know of them, they are not energizing. Um, and so therefore I heard that they are not 
they do not break the fast, but you can ask other people who give fatwa on such things. Do Muslims run away from their problems? No, let's stick to fasting questions today. Um, I broke fast when I was a kid, but had reached the puberty age. How do I make up for it? You must make up the day, and you must pay the fidya. Many people have a lot of fidya to pay. It's okay. Pay it in installments. Just like you pay a mortgage payment. $100 a month. $50 a month. $300 a month. Just like you make a car payment. Okay, Some people have like months and months that they purposely did not fast okay so make installments if you die it's a debt against you that your kids should pay for you right if you die it should be taken out of your inheritance first I'm going to take this one question. It has nothing to do with it. It says, someone believes that Jews suffered the Holocaust, so Umma will suffer double that. Now, I think that we will suffer some things, but it will not be as bad because of the rahmah that exists in the Ummah, because of their ibadat, their salihin, their dua, the salah on the Prophet And We will have tribulations, right? But it will not be as vicious, I don't believe, because of the rahmah that exists. And that comes down due to the salihin we have in our Ummah. Is it ex- an accepted difference of opinion? Let's see what Bakr is saying. Astigatha. No, forget Astigatha. We don't want to do that right now. It's a long topic. I have, Salam, for all the fasts I have missed, do I have to pay fidya each year? No. It only occur, accrues against you once. Even if you missed for 10 years, you owe from 10 years ago, you only know owe one fidya. Okay. Remember, what about saliva? No, saliva is not, you're not eating saliva. If you bring it out of your body, of course, this is no one does this. But if you were to spit and then lick it back, you've eaten saliva now, right? Who who does that, right? But technically, that's what it would be. But if it's in your mouth, then you haven't eaten. It's already just it's made in your mouth. How do we improve ourselves in Ramadan but keep it up? You'll never be able to keep up what you do in Ramadan. It's not meant for that. Okay. But if you keep some of it, it's enough. It's not meant for that. It's meant to be an intensive. It's meant to be that this was never, we can't ever repeat this. If you can keep a little bit of it, it's enough. Like one extra deed that you do. Uh, Can you explain fidya again? Okay, fidya. Is an, fine, is an amount of money or food given to a poor Muslim when you can never fast, such as an old person who can never fast. He owes 30 fidyas. Or a person who has to break his fast for the sake of another person, such as a, wet, uh, a breastfeeding mother, if she fasts, her milk will go dry, or a bus driver, if he fasts, he's going to have an accident, or a surgeon who will make a mistake in surgery, he owes, he has to make up his fast and pay fidya because he's breaking his fast for another person. Or it's for a person who broke their fast for a valid reason. Sickness, travel, 
accidentally eating or drinking, things like that. That is what we call fidya. Is there a point to wake up? We can't pray to hajjud during when we owe qada. You can pray qada during tahajjud and you have more reward. Because qada is fard, tahajjud is nafila. It's the time that matters. So you can make up your qada prayers in the tahajjud time. Also, if you need to do istikhara, you're allowed to do istikhara when you owe qada. So I would still jump on it. Okay, Jump on that tahajjud. Never miss that opportunity. You cannot combine intention between a fard and a nafila. But you can combine multiple nafilas in one intention. Like tahiyyat al-masjid, istikhara, and sunnah of dhuhr. All in one. Right? If you go to the masjid, you can combine all those. It's istikhara, it's tahiyyat al-masjid, greeting of the mosque, and it's the sunnah of dhuhr. Right? You can combine many nafila intentions in one. All right. Toothpaste? No, it's makruh. You're responsible if it goes down into your throat. Um, the Hanafi opinion, according to Abdul Hadi, says that accidental eating does not break the fast. The Maliki opinion goes with that, that it does break the fast, but it's not sinful because the command of fasting is qat'i in the Quran. And that one proof, uh, Allah has given you food and drink, right? Uh, is from a one solitary hadith so Allah I believe that's that that is the logic but they they what they mean what the, the way Madik understands that hadith Allah gave you a food and drink in Ramadan is that you're not sinful the te- the hadith does not say that you don't owe a day it just means you're not sinful you did not fast Right, you didn't fulfill the fast, so you're not sinful. Shall I be rewarded for your hunger and thirst? But you have to make it up. Uh, someone told us people living in non-Muslim community that it's impermissible to feed the most non-Muslims. You are allowed to feed non-Muslims sadaqa, but not fidya or kafara or zakah. Fidya, kafara. Zakah must go to poor Muslims. Does the time when it's obligatory for children to fast differ? It's menstrual cycle or semen. That's what it is. And if it's abnormal, if the, the, the women of the community are the ones to decide abnormality, if I'm not mistaken, it's under the age of nine, then you go to the women of the community and if they say no this happens to all of us then it counts if it's the, if they all concur that no this is an abnormality right getting height at this age is abnormal then it doesn't count as height she waits till the age of 9 but double check that but i'm telling you that there is something uh, there are age limits 9 and 70 for the opposite she keeps having height after 70 Right, then 70 is like the cutoff. Do late release pills break the fast? No, they don't. As long as you took them before Fajr, right? 
late release pills do not break the fast because what is the difference between that and food right isn't protein slowly break down right it's also slow right can i pray tarawih if i have missed fard prayers no you cannot you go to the masjid you go to the side and you pray your own qada i don't know how much fidya i owe and how many qada days i owe you have to make a massive overestimation so that you're absolutely certain that you uh that you covered the amount of days can is fidya have to be separate from zakah of course zakah is one obligation fidya is the next right they're totally different okay for menstruation can you pay pay fidya no you have to do qada for menstruation pregnancy breastfeeding you owe qada for that you cannot uh, just do fidya can i invite non-muslim parents to pray tarawih in ramadan no to observe only there is no validity of salah without islam without the shahada so you may observe them to uh, uh, invite them to observe the salah to hear the quran but not to pray and if they do they break up the rows right They're, they uh, a kafir in the middle of a row he breaks up the row okay I have made up for my fast. Will I still need to pay fidya? If yes, if you made them up one year late or more late. In other words, the next Ramadan came and you hadn't made them up. Then you made them up the year after that. Then you owe fidya. Or if you only broke the fast for the sake of somebody else, like like your baby breastfeeding, or you're a pilot or a surgeon or a nurse or whatever that you were, you broke the fast for the sake of somebody else, then you owe fidya. I have many fasts to make up so you lay fidya once basically no you if you didn't you you if you didn't make up the fast for a year then for the it's qada plus fidya so let's say I have four years four fasts I was sick in 2020 I didn't make up the qada until 2025 now, five years have passed. It doesn't matter. I owe now four qada and four fidya. Amr right. how do I get rid of, stay away from anxiety and depression? Make much salah on the Prophet and keep the company of people, good people, optimistic people. Keep their company. They will, inshallah, impact on you. will will get you out of that. All right, so Q Lodi. Is this, is, is this A Lodi's sister? Uh, if so, does that answer the question? Kefamak, you can put your questions here on, on Instagram. Okay. Best dua to make in Ramadan is, of course, Allahumma inna kafu wa tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anna. I know I said it quickly, and it means... Oh Allah, you have afu. Afu means he protects and forgives. It's the meaning of both. Right? You love afu, so give us afu. It has the meaning of protection and and not only forgiveness, the highest level of forgiveness means it's even erased from the book of deeds. That's afu. Steve says a lot of students of Dean go into different madhabs to ask regarding different positions. I see 100s doing that. Why do they do that? If I can't handle an opinion, I will go to a different school. Yes, if the opinion is not possible for you, hardly 
um, feed practical for you, then there we have different opinions for a reason. That's the reason. Like much hardship. But if it's just for whims, I, I love the Hanafi school when it comes to marrying women without a wali, but I don't like it when it comes to lobster and you're just using your whims. We say you are in the valid. It, it's valid what you're doing, but it's not a good practice. You're strengthening your desires and your whims, right? And eventually, the people who do that, they they're not gonna. Um, it's gonna be something that their whims are gonna become too strong. It's not good to follow your whims. You will eventually go deeper. Okay, none of the medhabs give me an outlet. Well, let me go look for the weaker opinions now. Let me look for a modernist opinion. Let me go to look for some crackpot opinion. So where does it stop? That's the question. Sat should stop at mashaqqa. If it's just a little bit of a hardship, it's okay. If it's a great hardship, then fine, go to another method. But that's it. Not whims. Do we need to make intention for the whole month? You make the intention for the whole month, the night before Ramadan. And you that's it. And you only renew your intention if you broke your fast. What can those who are new to Islam do during Ramadan? They can do what, what, whatever they're able to do. And keep the company of Muslims. It's the best thing for a new Muslim, keep, hang out with other Muslims. You want to get physically fit? Hang out with people who jog. Join a joggers club. Hang out with them. You can't keep up? All right, bow out. Keep showing up though. Keep showing up. One day you'll do exactly what they're doing. You, you, you failed to keep up with them? No problem. Fail. Step out. Like many Muslims come in, they see the, the Muslims like, can't keep up with all this. So much salah, so much deen. Okay, go home. Like what did your sheikh, want, what did that sheikh one time? He said, go get a Pepsi and watch a movie, right? <laughs> just just go home. Get out. Relax yourself. Yeah. Do what you can. You, you, you showed up. You showed up. You, you lasted 15 minutes. You couldn't do more. Leave. Okay, next time 20 minutes. Next time 30 minutes. Next time you send the whole time, right? Do what you can, but not don't stop hanging out with those people. It'll grow on you just like painting a wall. You cannot paint the whole wall with one stroke. A stroke today, another stroke tomorrow. Wow, I'm, I'm uh, unpacking the paint, unpacking the roller, putting the paint in the, in the tray, right? putting out the sheets. The first day that you do it takes an hour. I didn't even paint. An hour passed, right? Taping up all the edges. All right, do that another time. It's going to take 50 minutes. Another time, 40 minutes. Another time, 30 minutes, right? You slowly painting the wall takes time and you get better at it as you go on. So all I say to people, like some people around this live stream, they're intimidated by the Arabic words. You think like we're not anything different from you? There was a time we were in, everyone was intimidated. Oh, Arabic words. What is this? All this stuff. What is a madhab? What is all this stuff? Everyone was like this. You just keep hanging out with people. Just keep listening. Within a year, You'll know everything we're talking about, right? Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anni. Yes. Is it permissible to claim zakat in a tax return? Yes, you may. Yes. You can give zakat to a mosque and say, give me a receipt. Why? This money is your money that the government is taxing and they have no right to take it. They're taking it by force. In soever legal way that you can get out of it, get out of it, right? You can't claim that. Nothing wrong with it. Some people treat taxes like zakah. 
they they want to be sincere and they want to have taqwa and they want to pay as much as they can you got it all wrong uh, taxes is not zakah right taxes is not you don't have to have taqwa with uncle sam right no you get out of that as much as you can he doesn't have right to your money in the first place by sharia alicia bas says i want to study islamic legal theory fiqh so many instances what should i start alicia or aleshba Start by studying the biographies of the four imams. There are two great books on the four imams. One by Jibreel Haddad. One by Muhammad Abu Zahra. There are videos about the four imams by people of those madhabs. You study the imam. You study his methodology. Okay, Because the bulk of Sharia studies is fiqh. And you see which of these four imams settles in your heart. You make the decision. Make an educated decision. Which biography and methodology it to me to you is most worthy of following then you commit yourself to the study of that school of thought that's how simple it is okay you use your intelligence you use your curiosity you use your ability to buy books to listen okay to decide which of the four imams is most worthy of following also add to the fact practicality if you're in Morocco, don't try to be a chef, right? There's no point, right? If I'm in Pakistan or Turkey, I'm not going to try to be a Maliki. There's no point. I'm not going to find a Maliki for, for miles unless I'm going to go online, right? But then you're missing out on the in-person gatherings, right? If it's going to be in, online anyway for you, then choose what you want. But that's how you do it, okay? Like yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, so you don't do the research You don't use your mind and do the research To study the furua The individual part issues Right You don't do, use your mind and your, your ability to buy books And to read and to, to watch videos And to listen to lectures For every little issue Okay, witzer, I gotta do research How do we do witzer? Alright, what breaks the fast? I gotta do the research No, 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 you don't do that You go to the methodology of the mujtahid imams you use all your effort to study the methods and the biographies of these four imams, then once you've understood his method, you follow that, right? Now you read the books with the conclusions, right? And the first type of book that you're going to get, all you're going to see is conclusions, no evidences. But just you, that you don't need the evidences now. You, you, you now know the methodology, now you start knowing the evidences. Next level books, they're going to be more discussions, more discussions, and then the high-level books discuss the evidences too, and they even compare, and why they say they ch- the Madhab chose that evidence rather than another evidence. So Ahmed Dis, uh, what I just said is my the best advice for students of knowledge. Usul, go to the methodology of the Mujtahid Imams, know it well, know that Imam Mujtahid Imam well, and then study that Madhab. Remember, what are madhabs? Madhabs only come in, are involved in the texts of Quran and Hadith that are interpretive. There's no madhab on if God is one. There's no madhab on is there a day of judgment. There's no madhab on how many prayers there are. There's madhabs on where the speech of Allah and His Messenger can be understood in different ways. It's on purpose He did that. On purpose Allah was silent on matters, the Prophet said. On purpose Allah said a verse that can be read in different ways so that we could have flexibility we have firm foundations our madhab is islam is like a tree the foundation is firm it's unchanging 
Okay? Nobody, any in, reform, reinterpretation is deviation. Okay? But the branches are flexible because when the wind comes, we need to be flexible. Okay? That's how it works. Can someone who is Hanafi follow the Maliki opinion on Qadha instead of Tarawih and Maliki opinion on Witr? You can if there's a hardship for you and you can uh, you can do that if there is a true hardship and benefit, not whimsicalness. And inshallah, it seems like his question does not have whims in it. Steve says, keeping your clothes pure, mashaka. what's the maximum clothes and body can be impure by impurity? This is a very important question that Steve brings up. Some people have wiswas, OCD. Their parents have dogs, right? And it's impossible to keep pure. Well, well guess what? The Madiki Medhab has a strong opinion in which purity is a recommended precondition of prayer, of the validity of prayer. Really? Yeah, purity of clothes, not wudu. Yeah. Purity of clothes, in the Madiki opinion, has a very strong opinion that it is merely recommended, okay, to purify your clothes from najasa. And the other opinion it is that is obligatory. What is the middle ground now? That is the dominant statement. It is obligatory if you are capable of doing it and you remember to do it. Right? Let's say you're a Hanafi or a Shafi, but your parents have a dog and you live with your parents. On issue of purity, be a medic. Follow the medic opinion. Because there's no way for you to know where the dog's saliva has been. Right? If you have OCD on the issue, be a take that opinion until you're cured of the OCD. Yeah. I thought dogs are pure. Anymore. Yeah, that's why I'm saying if he's a Shafi, and he has his parents have a dog. Follow the Maliki opinion, right? That's what Sheikh Nuh says. Many people convert; they live with their parents, right? And the parent has a dog. Can you re- recommend specific books to read about methodology? Yeah, read the book. The biographies of the imams should have usul in them. Methodology means usul. Okay, this podcast is made for people who are just l- opening the door for the first time on knowledge, on piety. I'm making Toba, so we have to translate. Remind me to translate everything we say. You can't take anything for granted. Okay. Here, Jay Perez began to learn about the Medhabs after listening to the older Shafina Saidi podcast. That was with Alex and Mu'in and Saad, and he ended up Hanbali, mashallah, because we have, there's an increasing number of Hanbali scholarship. We teach Hanbali fiqh at Shafina Saidi, arcview.org. Should playing sports be encouraged for kids under f- during fasting? Um, if they're balagh, they better know. If you're going to play this game, you're fasting. because You can't break a fast for playing a game. You can't come to me and say, oh, I'm dying, I'm thirsty, right? No, you're an adult now. If you're balagh, if he's balagh. Most 11-year-old boys may not be balagh. But if he or she's balagh, they got to know the rules. That's half the fun, too. Hakim Olajuwon did it. Um, I got thoughts that I won't get what I'm asking for. Ah, you know why? Those negative thoughts purify your sins, recite the Quran, make tawbah. Doubt on the ijaba of dua is only a result of sins. The pure heart is naturally trusting of Allah. Clean your heart from sins and trust in Allah. 
Okay. With regards to hanging out with people, what if we are unable to find good people? People aren't exactly welcoming to new Muslims. I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Um, I understand what she's saying. There are a lot of converts that come in from a different ethos and they can't possibly go to the mosque. The solution for them is you just got to keep searching and if you can't, then use an online community. Rely upon an online community. Don't don't underestimate the online community. Okay. What are the arguments against people who do interfaith dialogue with the Shia and try to portray them as our brother? The argument is that there is no difference of opinion. There is no valid difference of opinion on qat'i matters. Qat'i, explicit matters in the religion. Okay. And any group that contravenes qat'iyat of the deen, the explicit text of Quran and Hadith, we don't keep their suhbah. Okay? We stay away from them because they're mubtadiyah. In general, that's the rule. Okay? Uthman Zubairi says, how should I go about learning Arabic? Um, try to go up to... Uh, try to go to the... Uh, any any um, videos that read along with you, like we have them on ArcView, we have them, sorry on YouTube. So if you inside a YouTube channel, where you just we're reading along with you, try. I think we have some on YouTube channel. Um, now we go to Steve. He wants to wipe on his socks. The Hanafis are giving him issues. Steve, why don't you try something called Hydroskins? Did you try them? Okay. Hydro skins, try them. Okay. Or go to the Hambadis and see what the Hambadis say about the level of sock that you can if you have uh, issue with your feet. Had enough, can Germex remove Najasa? Germex can remove Ain and Najasa, but not Hukman Najasa. What does that mean? Ain and Najasa is the actual Najasa. But the, so anything can remove that, right? But you also need to remove to remove the ruling of Najasa on that matter, right? And that is only done by pure water. And that means you put the water on, the water came off without Najasa. That's it. So let's say your pants got Najasa on them. You can remove the Najasa right away with anything. Kleenex, Windex, whatever you want. But you, you now need to remove the ruling of Najasa. And that is only removed by pure water. Just regular water. Put it on and it comes off clean. Huh? Oh, good question. What is najasa for people who don't know? Najasa is that which the Sharia, Allah has deemed it to be ritually impure. That means you cannot pray with it on you. You must remove it before you pray. From your body, your skin, your clothes, or in your place of your prayer, like where you physically put your hands and your face and your feet in the prayer. And that consists of everything that comes out of the front and back of the human being. That consists of flowing blood, as opposed to a scab, which is not flowing blood. It consists of vomit and acid reflux. So again, anything that came out of your intestines, out of your mouth. It's no different than coming out of your uh, back. It consists of intoxicants in liquid form. Anything that could make you high or drunk in a liquid form is nudges. It consists of anything dead that died... It, with four exceptions. The human being is never nudges. 
the sea, any sea creature is never nejus if it's dead. Um, any insect that does not have flowing blood is not nejus. And anything slaughtered properly is not nejus. Beyond these four, everything dead is nejus. Uh, these are these are the um, items that are nejus. What about Shia adding fara'id, such as being in the fire if you deny imamate? Yes, that too. You made obligatory and treated as qat'i a concept that has no basis in the religion. And the only basis they find is like, you really have to twist around verses and read into them. So the imamate has no basis at all. And that's why they don't talk about it so much, right? So, suhba of fasiq is somewhat is forbidden in our religion we don't keep the company L- listen if you're if you were an anchorman for nbc are you allowed to get caught hanging out with neo-nazis are you allowed to get caught hanging out with people who are against the lgbt what will happen to you in your job you get fired they don't want you hanging out with it we don't want the association why this is extremely offensive in our society right in the sight of allah befriending fraternizing keeping the company with someone who openly has a deviation in in belief like this or openly and publicly shamelessly commits disobedience of god that's offensive right it's the same way that anderson cooper will never get seen in the same hemisphere as someone who was a racist right or someone who was against the lgbt or someone who is a neo-nazi or someone who is a white supremacist or someone who is who has said the n-word or says it regularly as a as a, a, a racial slur or someone who is against the zionists right can he will he ever be seen with them if he sees him he'll walk right out if he gets invited to a dinner and there are five people at the table in a public restaurant and that other one of a, a, a neo-nazi comes in what is anderson cooper doing and sits at the table. What's he doing? He's getting right up and leaving. If a picture gets taken, he's done. Right? He's got to protect his relationship with his bosses. And with the community that he is with. Right? So why do we totally get it from that standpoint? Right? Uh, why do we totally get that? Well, is not Allah watching us too? And anything, And the angels are watching us? And our deeds get sent to the prophets of Allah send them. So, suhba, fraternizing, being even being with those types who have went against what we call what is qatay. Qatay means a verse that has no other interpretation. It's not interpretive. Or someone who flagrantly, not privately sins and he makes mistakes and he's trying to do good and he's embarrassed by his sins. No, he's flagrantly disobeying God. These two things are the definition of al-fasiq. Our suhbah with them is forbidden. Right? We don't do it. We don't fraternize, befriend, nor promote such a person. In the same way that in the professional world, you don't fraternize, support, or promote. The guy, Kyrie Irving, puts one link. Nike dropped him. Right? Nike does not befriend someone, does not support does not sponsor, does not pay, does not associate with anyone who has a single link against the Zionists, right? Like, so we, that's told, we understand that, right? You may agree or disagree, but you get it. No one's shocked. 
The NFL, a guy hits his wife, we have nothing to do with you. Okay, we drop you like a hot potato. Okay, so you get it. Same thing with us. Right? Same thing in the world of belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have a question on that actually. Yeah. My friend was telling me a story about how one of his uncles Yes. Everyone in the community knows this one guy who drank. He drank and smoked. He was weak with it. Yep. But he would never miss a salah in the masjid. Mm-hmm. Ever. Like, he would come in, he'd greet, and everyone would understand. Yeah. No one said a word to him because you know, he's coming to the masjid yeah. for every prayer. How do you reconcile that? Is he, is he flagrant to the point that um, he does it openly and he's accepting of it? And he's somebody who has no problem with it? Or is he suffering in silence? And you, we all just happen to see the effects of it and smell the effects of it. Yeah, so um, that would be the line. If someone is open and flagrant about disrespecting God, it's diff- that's the problem versus he struggles, we all struggle. Sometimes you get a peek at his struggle. Sometimes he can't cover up the evidence of his struggle, but he's struggling. That is the line for us. Uh, Yasin asked a good question. What about non-Muslims? A non-Muslim, uh, the company of a non-Muslim is no, is not as dangerous as the company of a fasiq because what is inside the community as, what is inside my cup as harm is worse than what is not, than what's spilled on the ground. I can't drink what's spilled on the ground, right? But I can intake. That's why what is close to you, what is similar into you can more, have more influence over you. The non-Muslim khalas, he's a very clear, uh, different, he's clearly different. But yes, that could also harm you. It could harm you if it's having a bad impact on you. So that's a different reason. Why does every ayah in Surah Al-Kahf end with an alif? Allahu alam. If, if making da'wah and they ask, why is tafsir necessary to understand the Qur'an? How do I explain? Because we have fallen away from the Arabic language. We were not there to see what were the reasons of the revelation and the circumstances behind the revelation. And the Qur'an has made some of its verses in such a way that requires scholarship because Allah wants us to dig deep. And He, made, he didn't make all the verses of Qur'an plainly obvious. He made a lot of them plainly obvious and He made a lot of them, you have to think. So that you can think, you can exert effort, and there could be scholars. So the things that the foundations of the religion are plainly obvious, right? Beyond that, there are things that require thought. Allah wants the existence of scholars. If there were not verses that would require thought, we'd have no scholars. We'd all know the same thing. And if there were not verses that were plainly obvious, then we, nobody would know anything. So Allah wants everyone to have the foundation, but only those who put effort will know the rest of the law. Right? So that's the reason why some ayat are dhanni and mutashabih. All right, we have to go. Jazakumullah khairan, everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nasaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.